It's This Week in Bourbon, giving you the latest news and headlines on everything that's been happening in the world of bourbon. And here are your headlines for October 22nd, 2021. Heaven Hill will start hiring permanent workers to start replacing their union workers. The Kentucky Distillers Association welcomes two more members and New Riff launches Red Turkey Wheat. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean, instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of This Week in Bourbon. Kenny and Ryan here to give you all the latest news and juicy gossip of what's been coming along with press releases and anything else that hits the, the Google News feed that has the word bourbon in it. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Once again, I'm coming into this blind not knowing what we're going to talk about. So uh, I kind of like that, you know, just go off the cuff. It keeps you it keeps you on your toes. It's see that way see how well prepare. you were. I don't have to prepare statements. You know, I, I just say what I feel. <laughs> I'm the one to prepare everything. But That's right. mostly the good thing is it's a lot of just copy paste. And I think most people probably enjoy it because we saved them the effort of actually reading it. And they're just, just taking it all in, just listening. Much easier. Yeah, get our two dumbass opinions on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's start off with our first dumbass opinion on this one. Here we go. <laughs> so declaring an impasse in contract talks with striking union workers, 
Global Spirits producer Heaven Hill said back on Monday it will start hiring permanent replacement workers for their bottling and warehouse operations in Kentucky. About 420 members of the United Food and Commercial Workers, Local 23D, have been on strike for more than five weeks at this point, and they voted overwhelmingly last month to reject a new five-year contract offer and form picket lines at Heaven Hill's operations in Bardstown, which we discussed this on the last roundtable a little bit earlier. But Heaven Hill said in a statement Monday that it had negotiated in good faith with the union, but the sides have been unable to reach an agreement. The company will now begin the process of hiring permanent replacement workers, and leaders of the union are accusing Heaven Hill of refusing to bargain in good faith, and the union has filed unfair labor practice charges against Heaven Hill with the National Labor sorry, yeah, National Labor Relations Board. However, if you want to know exactly what's happening and what does the contract look like, you can go to heavenhillfacts.com. You can see the contract and what was put out there, and you can decide for yourself. Now, Ryan, I guess when I, I'll put this one to you since, you know, Bartstown is kind of your hometown here. When you think of 420 people that have been kind of displaced because of this, how hard would it be with the economy that it is today and the population that is in Bardstown to try and replace that many people? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, the labor pool's pretty thin as it is. It's competitive in all industries right now. But, uh, you know, Bardstown's not a huge town. But, I mean, I mean, Heaven Hill's an attractive position. A lot of company, a lot of people, you know, seek out that employment. So there's a lot of factory workers in town now that might be excited about the opportunity um, to go over there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, given, you know, just the labor market in general, uh, a lot of companies are having a hard time hiring. Um, so I, I would think it'd be a tough time to just fill 400 positions. But I'm sure there's some people that would they could get, you know, there, it's funny, the bourbon industry in bar sounds kind of like a, they kind of hop around to each distillery. You know, I know of some people that actually, you know, just got hired on to Heaven Hill and then, you know, they don't have much tenure. So they were like, well, hell, I'm just going to go somewhere else. And they've gotten jobs at Barstown Bourbon Company and Barton's and Jim Beam. Um, so they're kind of hopping off and trading places. Uh, so yeah, I would, that would be a daunting task to replace 400 people. Um, but, uh, I mean, business has to go on too. So it's a no win situation really. For sure. And you're right. right. I think when, when you think about it, I mean, most people you bounce around in any industry and if you're in Bardstown, it seems to be the logical one that you would just go and keep going between all these distilleries until you find the, the job that you, that you feel suitable in. So makes sense. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of good hardworking people in Bardstown, not in the bourbon industry, probably. Would like an opportunity, but 400 at a t- one time, that's going to be, that'll be tough. For sure. All right. So moving on a little bit here. So Brown Foreman, of course, the makers of Woodford Reserve and Old Forester, they are joining RE100, which is a global environmental initiative, and they are committed to 100% renewable electricity by 2030. RE100 is an initiative that's ran by the Climate Group, which is a global nonprofit that focuses on activities against climate change. And a total of 267 companies have have actually joined this initiative worldwide. And in September, Brown Foreman announced their long-term global sustainability goals, and that serve as a roadmap in advancing sustainability and reducing the company's environmental footprint, as well as increasing a positive impact on the community and the environment. 
So they are taking on another action to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions as well. So here was a little bit of a, a quote of actually what they're doing. They're combining some of their past investments in solar at Sonoma Cotrere, along with their recent investments in wind power, and they're also purchase agreements of solar power at Jack Daniels. And they believe they're taking the steps necessary along this journey to 100% renewable energy, says their chief product, sorry, chief production and sustainability officer, Alex Alvarez. So I, I kind of, I think we talked about this on the last one, how you see, I know, what was it? Diageo is moving towards a uh -huh. lot of sustainable um, and basically, I think carbon neutral is what they were kind of going forwards. So you see this as kind of a win-win for, for everybody. But we all know that even if you want to put in solar panels and windmills and all that stuff, it's a lot of upfront heavy cost. And it's going to be years before you ever see that break even come out of it. Yeah, that's the downfall about solar and wind. Uh, it takes a long time to recoup that initial cost. But it's exciting to see, you know, the bourbon industry taking the environment seriously. Um, you know, we are, you know, we do have to start thinking about generations from now. Like, well, how are we going to? there's a lot more people we keep growing there's more people it takes a lot of resources and so how can we figure it out i kind of like the approach of that diageo is taking it seems like there's a lot of parts in a distillery that are producing so much energy that you could capture that you know inside the plant as well um versus doing like solar or wind i know that's a sexy easy thing that people can onboard but i think yeah if we can just keep uh refining ways to uh use all our resources smartly and wisely so that we can just uh, keep this planet going. Yeah. We've talked about on the podcast plenty of times before about like, what are the impact of, of wood and that sort of sustainability and, you know, angels envy has done toast to the trees. We've had people from ISC on and everything else, and other cooperages kind of talk about how it's really a, a very small fraction of the hardwoods that actually go into barrels and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think it's, it might just be, you know, we might just start seeing it because we talk about distilleries, but we see pretty much every industry is trying to go that way. Even the company that I work for based out of Silicon Valley, they're trying to get to carbon neutral as well by 2030. So you just kind of see a lot of that happening across the board. So, yeah. Who, and I mean, with everybody. the, yeah. And with the, you know, the, you know, with the barrels and wood and whatnot, you know, there's actually more, you know, of a stable forest situation because the barrel, the cooperages have made a, in the universities have made a, in, initiative to you know do reforestation planting you know planting out and so the forest situation is actually improving it just shows that okay you can't have a you know capitalist you know way of doing business but also with improving the environment as well and so you don't have to be one extreme or the other so it's like i, I like seeing where you can have balance of both uh you know methods for sure so I think we might be three for three on this of the Kentucky Distillers Association bringing somebody else new into the fold. So let's go ahead and we'll talk about the first one here is that now Augusta Distillery in Bracken County is going to be their 40, or sorry, their 48th member. I uh, should have started. Let's flip that around because RD1 Spirits in Lexington is their 47th member and we'll get to the 48th one in a minute. Uh, so RD1 was originally founded in 1865 as the Ashland Distillery by three prominent merchants in Fayette County. And it was the first company to obtain a federally registered distillery license in Lexington, and it was assigned RD number one. In 1871, the Bourbon County land speculator William Tarr and partner Thomas Megabin of Harrison County acquired the distillery and restarted whiskey production. But like many others, the distillery was closed as a victim of prohibition in 1933. 
but the Ashland Distillery was revived as RD1 Spirits in 2020 in Lexington's historic distillery district right down the road from the original distilling location. And they have now received their Class B distiller's license. And of course, UK coach Mark Stoops and his family are majority investors in the brand. The inaugural RD1 Spirits releases are from the Tribute line, which pays homage to William Tarr, one of the original owners. And of course, this is uh, they have an eight-year-old Kentucky bourbon uh, blended with a seven-year-old. And then they also have a 12-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon that's a part of that line. And then, uh, then we have Augusta Distillery in Bracken County is the 48th member. So now I got my, I've got my direction going right here now. Uh, so they sit on the limestone banks of the small Kentucky River of which its town is named. And this city is widely known as the hometown of actor George Clooney. Augusta Distillery's historic 35,000 square foot building was built in 1883 and served as a carriage manufacturer. And they received their Class B distiller's license in July and is currently under renovation. They plan to have a full service restaurant, event center, gift shop, tasting room, all that expected to open at some point in fall of next year in 2022. The company's debut product is Buckner's Single Barrel Bourbon, a limited edition 13-year-old cask strength release that was named for the Revolutionary War hero, Captain Philip Buckner. So there you go. Two more to bring to the So the, the William, the RD1, did you say it's in Lexington or in Ashland? It's in, so RD1 is in Lexington. This is the one gotcha. at Coach Tubes, and we've done a review for the W. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, at one point too, so... Uh, now they're, they're starting to rock and roll. I know I've seen them on different kinds of social media posts, trying to really spread the love at liquor barns and doing signings. And, you know, it's funny, we talk about celebrity bourbons all the time and it's funny to see UK coach Stoops come into it because anytime coach Stoops wants to go somewhere and sign bottles, you know, the fan base is going to show up. Oh yeah. That's, that's an immediate like hundred K bottle sales because blue, big blue fans will buy anything that's associated with, you know, Kentucky. It's like. Anytime we won a championship, they had those Keeneland bottles, you know, it's like, or they announced Maker's Mark Keeneland bottles with the UK's, any blue wax, their people are going nuts over them. Yeah, start lining up now. I guess, uh, I think it may be interesting to see, you know, every year we do uh, guesses on like, what what do we think is going to happen this year in bourbon and give our predictions. We usually do that in January. I don't think anybody really predicted that a head co- head fo- football coach would actually get into bourbon. But now I'm kind of wondering... What else could like sports side kind of get into with the bourbon, you know, bourbon is because of course, I think we could probably end up, you know, we had Scotty Pippen come out this year as well, but I wonder if you're going to see more college uh, athletic coaches kind of get into this. I mean, he's kind of setting a boundary, which makes sense in Kentucky, but who knows if, if this opens up the, the gates for other ones to kind of come in because they all, I mean, you see it, uh, you see people all the time um, where they've got to try to figure out like how do they divest and how do they bring extra streams of income in. And so they're doing commercials for health insurance, car dealerships or any gas station. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so this is more of a, it's not like a one-time one and done kind of thing, but it kind of leaves a a legacy where you can continue doing it long after your coaching career is over. Yeah. It makes me feel good that Stoops is going to be around because uh, he's a heck of a coach, and he's turned our football program around. So it makes me, if he's got money invested here, he's not going. It makes me feel like he's not going anywhere, but maybe not. I don't know. But well, it gets awkward, I guess, if he gets let go. He'll be like, uh, I got to go back to my distillery. and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, he's not going anywhere. I'm happy to have him. I'm, You know, I'm not surprised. I, I'm surprised Cal hasn't done this because he's so, like, you know, Mr. Marketing Genius and, like, all over uh, – 
I, I could definitely see him do it. I mean, Rick Patino when he was here, he had a restaurant, you know, and it's like big blue, man. They'll do it. Like if Nick Saban did a bourbon in Alabama, I mean, good God, it, you know, it'd fly off the shelves. So it, it be, it's an interesting point. I mean, you know, college fans are like really into, it's just like, you know, Slipknot or any other, you know, celebrity fans get around and they'll buy it even with it's good or not. So it's smart marketing. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I think it'll be interesting maybe 2022. We'll, we'll, we'll write that down as a note and maybe put yeah. that as a prediction. For we got to just make sure that we let everybody know that Kentucky did beat Florida this year, <laughs> Blake. So just one, just let you know that just in case you forgot, just twist the knife while you're at it. <laughs> That's right. All right. So make sure you catch next week's podcast where Ryan comes on and does a whole recap of UK sports for the week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do our own little mini KSR. <laughs> All right. So let's keep going. So, uh, the Supreme Court, and this actually, this is kind of a, a big setback because we've always talked about direct-to-consumer and shipping and stuff like that. And the Supreme Court has now declined to review the Eighth Circuit ruling for Missouri on a retail shipping case. And they issued its order list from its October 8th conference. So this petition sought to have the court overturn the Eighth Circuit decisions upholding Missouri's retail delivery laws. And it noted that the Missouri law does not violate the Dormant Commerce Clause and stands earlier this year as the court rejected it as it was a similar attempt to seek the same exact review from a Sixth Circuit court decision that reached the same exact conclusion regarding Michigan laws, which basically says that the states can decide what they want and they don't have to have they don't have to allow shipping. So the plaintiff's lawyers have at least six other cases working its way through the federal court system in their quest to get the Supreme Court to declare a national right of interstate alcohol shipping. So we just kind of looked at this as uh, another setback for DTC and going across state lines. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. You know, it's like I thought we had some momentum coming out of the pandemic, um, which is still going on. But I thought we had some momentum, some barriers were broke down. People saw some additional revenue streams. I thought states might jump on board but uh seems like they're dragging their sticking their stake in the ground saying nope we want to be in control of everything still i know surprising it's still like missouri who i mean i guess because probably because they're not even shipping anything out there's not like ton of i mean well i guess they got a lot of breweries and stuff but uh sparse spirits wise i'm not really sure i guess kansas city has a couple of distilleries but uh yeah i mean most of it you know michigan was a big one this past year as well, because they had a, a huge ruling where it basically said that they're going not they're not allowing any shipping whatsoever, wine, spirits, beer, you name it. And there was a lot of good opinion pieces that came out, mostly in regards of attacking it. And that's Michigan and most of these states, they want to recognize the tax dollars and the revenue from these sales. And if it just comes over state lines, they don't get that. Now, Ohio just actually en- enacted one where they allow uh, wine shipments uh, from any state. So wine is now legal to go into Ohio, but you have to get a certain kind of permit and you have to file all kinds of you know different things, whatever. But anyway, the idea that it was attacking this was basically saying that you're limiting your consumers in these states to not be able to get products that aren't on the shelves in Michigan. So if there's a certain wine or a certain spirit or anything like that, let's say Pursuit United, and they want it, they can't get it. And this is the state holding everybody back. So I, and I think that we've all, they all, I think everybody knows that listens to this, knows how much we hate um, the government sort of really pick, you know, putting their nose into all this because there's got to be an easier way to do it. And the states are continuing to try to stand their ground and they don't want to see this start moving in the right direction. It's unfortunate. It's interesting, yeah. Like with Michigan, I think 
cannabis, you know, marijuana is legal in Michigan, I, I believe. And it's, it's hard to believe that the, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't, I, I, I get it. Like we don't want to open the floodgates and just like have the wild west of shipping, but it seems like there's a smart balanced way that we can do this to where the state can make their money, even though it's coming from different states, they can, you know, there's, there's a way to do it. I mean, like when you buy stuff off, you know, from online from different state and you're shipping and you're, you're still paying sales tax and the state's still coming. So I don't know. It just seems like that there's a way to figure this out. Yeah. I mean, gosh, look at every European country. They allow shipping between countries over there. So I don't know. Somebody go figure it out. Whoever's yeah. in DC, come on, get it, get on to it now. It's been five years. We've been banging on this drum. They probably have bigger problems to deal with, but <laughs> but it is surprising how much effort they put into like stopping this. I, I just don't understand that. It's like, don't you have bigger problems to stop than this? But <laughs> <laughs> I concur. Yeah. But while we're talking about the government, the TTB put out a, uh, I can say another bulletin board, another notice and, and wanted to reiterate that said that federal law strictly prohibits individuals produ- from producing distilled spirits at home and if you do it, you can expose yourself to federal charges for these serious offenses. And offenses under the section are felonies that are punishable by up to five years in prison, a fine of up to $10,000, or both for each defense. And some of these are considered possession of an unregistered still, engaging in business as a distiller without filing an application or receiving notice of registration, distilling on prohibited premises, uh, basically like a distilled spirits plant can't be located in your backyard or an enclosure connected to a residence. Uh, there's unlawful production or useful of material fit for production of distilled spirits. Um, the purchase and receipt of processing distilled spirits when the person who does so knows or has reasonable grounds to believe that the federal excise tax has not been paid on the spirits. So all this, again, is just a way to basically hammer home that says, do not do this. But however, in New Hampshire, there is a new bill that may allow the hobby of distillation of liquors. And I think this is why the TTB put this out, because New Hampshire House Bill 416 is about the production of liquor for personal or family use. However, it says you're not able to do it in the excess of the quantity of liquor that is produced from 100 gallons of beer or wine per calendar year. And if there's only one person producing beer or wine in such household. However, if you can do it up to 200 gallons if there's two or more persons. And this should take effect on January 1st, 2022, if it gets passed. Interesting. Fire yeah, still. Well, it's funny how the federal government wants to regulate all the states on manufacturing it, but they don't want to regulate the shipping. They're like, no, we'll leave it to the states with shipping, but this, we're going to do a widespread law. But uh, I don't know. It, it seems like, I mean, distilling at home is probably dangerous and you should, probably shouldn't do it unless you know exactly what you're doing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of heat that, that goes on. You got basically have to boil your grains and boil your beer to kind of make it happen. And it's a lot more equipment. I mean, there's there's plenty of people that do their own home brew and plenty of people that make wine at home. But right. doing this is definitely another like, another step. If somebody wants to make it a hobby and go like, who cares? But I, I mean, I get it. You don't want people blowing up their house or people drinking blind stuff. But if they're at home doing, I don't know. <laughs> so you're, don't, you're you in or out on this one, Ryan? I don't know. Just use common sense, people. If you know what you're <laughs> doing and you want to do, try some moonshining, do it at home. If not, 
Actually, I'm not advising anyone to do anything. This is just getting me in trouble. Move on to the next topic. Where's, where's Brian when we need him? We're sipping corn. Like, yeah. I advise you as your lawyer not to say anything else, Lorraine. Yeah, quit asking me questions. <laughs> next topic. All right. Well, we were talking about sustainability a little bit uh, ago here. And so Brothers Bond, which is the bourbon that's founded by the Vampire Diary stars Ian Sommerholder and Paul Wesley, they have built on its, they have actually, they're starting to build their bourbon on a mission by going towards sustainability. And they have done so by making this first step by purchasing regeneratively farmed grain to make its whiskey with a goal to help reverse climate change. So the company also donates a portion of its profits to support regenerative agriculture. So Summerholder announced the brand's purchase in an Instagram post back on Wednesday this week and saying that Brothers Bond Bourbon has officially purchased regenerative grain that will be going into barrels, which makes me wonder, I don't know which grain they're talking about, but isn't corn already regenerative? No, not really. You have to, uh, yeah, I guess you're, you're the, you're the ag guy here. So what's, what's a regenerative grain? You know, that's a term I've never really heard of. Um, cause you know, corn, you know, most, most of these grains are annuals. They're not perennials. So they're, you have to plant them each year. Um, you know, corn you plant in usually like May and then you harvest it in, I don't know, August, September, October, and then it's done for the year. And then you usually follow up with beans like soybeans or wheat. Soybeans are legumes. So, which means they produce their own nitrogen. So that helps reestablish, uh, some nutrients in the soil and then you use wheat because it has an expansive rhizome system that helps aerate the soil. So you don't have to till all the time. I'm not really sure what regenerative grains mean. I don't know. That's I'll have to look that up. I, I, that's a term I haven't heard and I have an agriculture degree. So maybe I'm failing. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, dad, you wasted all your money. Or, or maybe it's just something that's like brand new. You need to go back to school for another year and learn all the terms that came out in the past five years or something. Yeah, we, what we need is like, uh, what's his name on Joe Rogan, Jamie, to like Google this real quick and tell us what that is. <laughs> what and, is it? You know, so that I can have a opinion. Uh, well, uh, oh, it's it says regenerative agriculture abound is revolving around improving soil health as measured by soil organic matter, matter carbon sequestration, or water infiltration. Tas- tactics include pasturing land, green and brown manure, and keeping soil covered at all times. Ideally, with a mix of plant species with a minimal amount of tillage to sort support the activity of living roots. So, sounds like instead of using, you know, synthetic nitrogen or synthetic fertilizers, they're using more organic-based uh, type agriculture methods, which is good on a small scale, but it's hard to do at wide scale. Good to know. Well, yeah. I guess the. Uh, they might be limited by that at, at a scale point, but who knows? We'll see. Maybe we'll ask him on the podcast one day if we ever get him on. Yeah, they were, they were supposed to. They stood us up. They That's did. Okay, stood up three times. Three times they stood us up. Let's make sure they hear that. Now that now that you know, you heard it from our our, our, our side. <laughs> we're peasants. I get it. It's we're not vampires. Good. It's all good. But let's go ahead. We'll take a break here. We're from our sponsors, and then we'll come back with some bourbon news. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. 
Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go and cover some bourbon news. What's the latest and greatest whiskeys that have been announced this week that you can get your hands on? And the first is coming from somebody we probably wouldn't have expected which is Molson Coors. Yes, Coors, the Rockies, tap the Rockies. They are releasing their first ever whiskey called Five Trail Blended American Whiskey. And this marks their first venture into the full strength spirits category. It's also the beginning of a brand's newest banner of Coors Whiskey Company. It's a blend, but not saying the components, but it does say they marry Colorado Providence with the craft and skill of Kentucky and Indiana's most renowned distillers. So, dig it a little bit further there's also some 13 year old kentucky straight bourbon that was in this blend so initially five trail is going to be available across four markets in colorado georgia nevada and new york this blended whiskey is 95 proof and has a suggested retail price of 60 dollars. so interesting yeah they hopped on all the beer companies hopped on the seltzer market now they're hopping on the whiskey market so well the seltzer market sense. got it got gosh i mean it got flooded quick and yeah and I know that I believe Coors dropped out of the seltzer market because of of exactly that. It just, there was just too much competition. Yeah, I'm not sure. There's so many of them came out with seltzers at one time. I can't remember who's tied with who. Um, Did you tell me you saw the Saturday Night Live uh, a few weeks ago? Where no, it was like, oh, okay. I'm going to put it and everybody else out there needs to go and, and check it out. They had a seltzer Saturday Night Live skit where basically like, Every like it was called desk seltzer. Like you literally you opened up your desk, your drawer, and it was just called desk on it. And they had one that I think was like pepperoni pizza and all this other kind of stuff. Like it was everywhere. It was pretty funny. Well, that, I have to check it out so I can laugh with you next time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we've met a lot of cool or not cool, well, cool and good distillers who actually got their start in brewing for a lot of these breweries. Um, can't remember the guy from Sagamore and. Uh, also, gosh, I'm sorry, guys, uh, in from uh, Chattanooga, but they got their start at the brewery. So I think they probably have a big pool of talent that knows what they're doing. And that's probably going to be a good product. You know, we'll I see like Miller Lite. So, I mean, this and is the- this is a blended sourced one at first. So we'll see what happens if they get into, you know, full blown production in the in the future. Yep. 
But let's go ahead and keep going. So Alberta Premium Cask Strength Rye in its 2020 release will be returning to U.S. markets and hitting the shelves starting this month. So, of course, it's made in Calgary, Alberta, and this rye is crafted from 100% Canadian prairie rye grains grown by local farmers in nutrient-dense glacier-fed spring water from the famed Rocky Mountains. The proof will vary between 63 to 67%. It is packaged in an eye-catching faceted glass bottle, which we actually did a review of their cash strength rye last year, and this will be available in limited quantities for $75. I will say that the one thing I didn't like about their package was that it was it had sort of that facet like I, I.W. Harper kind of glass kind mm-hmm. of going on with it, but they had a screw top on it. And I, yeah, I, it I, did I look thought, fancy. I remember that. Yeah. I thought that's where they, they, they kind of lost it for me on that one. Yeah, but I, I'm a big fan of Alberta rye usually, so... Uh, Bring them on. I like them. Yeah. Canadian rye is kind of knocking on the park. I mean, gosh, we talk about whistle pig all the time. Like, they've got a good stuff and all that source from Alberta. Rye, rye, rye's taking over. But let's keep going. Let's talk about uh, sort of middle of the states here. Uh, Wyoming Whiskey's single barrel program is available once. Oh, sorry. Wyoming Whiskey single barrel bourbon, not their program, is available once again. And so this highly anticipated and exclusive release is the first batch since it sold out back in November of 2020. And their single barrels represent the top 1% of bourbon barrels that are sampled each year by Wyoming Whiskey. It's crafted from grains grown right in the Bighorn Basin, and they experience extreme temperature variations that are common in the basin between the Absaroka and Bighorn Mountains as it matures. So this is where I found pretty interesting because I think this is probably even more varied than Kentucky is that temperatures reach 135 degrees at the height of the warehouse during the summer and fall and even drop to around five degrees in the depths of winter. And in the summertime, the warehouse temperatures can swing 20 to 30 degrees and facilitate greater whiskey and wood interaction. So each hand-selected barrel is bottled at 96 proof, aged for at least five years in number, sorry, char number four, and has a price tag of $100. You know, I have never, I haven't had Wyoming. I've never had it. I don't think I've ever tried it at all. And I know uh, Mr. Nally from Bartstown Bourbon Company helped get that one going. So I'm sure it's good. I need to try it. They need it. I need to find a bottle. Yeah, I could have sworn. I don't know. I have to go look and like maybe maybe they sent us a bottle a long time ago, but I I can't remember. I'll have to go and look around. We get every press release. I know that. So we got. I would have remembered if they they got us talking about them. They got that. Yeah, I would have remembered if they did. But uh, yeah, I'd love to go to Wyoming. And (laughs) that's the interesting thing about these distilleries and warehouses out west because you have those like. you know, dry, arid kind of climates, um, and you, you know, less humidity and huge temperature swings from night and day is that, uh, well, we found a lot of them like Fray's Ranch, Woodinville, um, their, their product tastes really good at a young age, um, because of that. So, uh, that's, that's neat. Yeah, for sure. Send us a single barrel. I want to try it. Yeah, for that's definitely, definitely. Let's go see if we can find one or we'll come out there. I want to see Wyoming. Have us in for a single barrel pick. We'll do one of those too. Why not? Yeah. So let's bring it back to Bardstown. And this is a little bit more information than I usually do, but it's such good information that comes from Booker's and Jim Beam on this. I figured it's it's worth sharing because it just gives a little insight into the world of, of Booker No and stuff like that. So the third release of 2021 for Booker's is called the Bardstown Batch. And of course, this honors the home place of the sixth generation master distiller Booker No, along with several other generations of Bam, uh, sorry Beam family members. So Booker was born in Springfield, Kentucky, but spent a good amount of time in Bardstown visiting friends along with his grandfather, Jim Beam. 
After going to college, he moved to Bardstown full-time to join the family business. And Booker lived in Bardstown for more than 50 years and was well-known in the community for his infectious personality. I know even Ryan had some some run-ins with him probably during like football practices and stuff like that. Uh, but his ultimate host was always inviting people over to the house for drinks and dinner parties. And these events became well-known across town, especially when Booker was serving his country ham that he would smoke right in the backyard. And a practice he learned from his grandfather and one that seventh-generation master distiller, Fred No, continues to this day. So today, Fred No lives in the same house in Bardstown that his great-grandfather Jim Beam lived in and eighth-generation master distiller, Freddie No, is right next door with his own family. So though Bardstown may be called the bourbon capital of the world to the Beam family, this place is just called home. So this is coming in 125.5 proof. It is six years and five months old and have a retail price of $90. Yeah, that last batch of boogers we reviewed was, gosh, one of the better ones I've ever had. So I'm I'm interested to try this one because uh, that one was really good. And uh, I like how they do these batches and give them cool names because there's so many stories with the No family. I mean, they could... I mean, there's thousands of them they could use. So I love hearing each one as they come out. See, we have show notes. They have history. It's kind of, you know, it's one of the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have six years of, they have hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds of generations of, yeah, stuff like that. So anybody that know talking about pursuit series and our show notes on single barrels, it's kind of how we give our little spin on tasting notes. So make sure you go check it out. Pursuitspirits.com. It's a nice little plug there for it. Yep. Shameless. Yeah. And actually, we had talked about Whistlepig already, but here's the uh, the next thing we'll talk about is that Whistlepig has revealed the eighth edition of the Boss Hog called Lapu Lapu's Pacific. This is continuing the voyage across the Pacific, and the Boss Hog 8 features straight rye whiskey that aged for nearly 18 years in New American Oak. And this is followed by a double finish and high toast barrels that previously held small batch single island aged Philippine rum. The Philippines rum barrels for the Boss Hog 8 came from just a small island just southwest of Cebu, Cebu, it's C-E-B-U. Sorry if, you, uh, if you're if you from there and I totally butchered your hometown. Uh, but these previously held rum between 7 and 10 years and there was no SRP on the press release or anything like that. But I thought this was interesting. It has, again, 18-year whiskey, 18-year rye whiskey that was going to be in a toasted barrel that also held rum. I mean, that's got a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. It sounds like I don't want Yeah. That this is crazy. <laughs> it's like a lot of different things going on. It was like, uh, we're going to sit around the fire, you know, and just see what crazy we can do for boss hog. I love it. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, where can we find some random barrels from? I got a guy in the <laughs> Philippines. You want him? It's got a toasted, you know, everybody wants to do these toasted barrels, but we're going to do a toasted rum barrel. I love it. Just keep in- innovating. That's kind of what has to happen here. And speaking I've never of, had a boss hog. So <sighs> neither have I. Try that too. Neither have I, but the price is it's, it's a tough one to swallow sometimes, but I, I do know that remember when we talked to Dave Pickerel about it and he just said, yeah, I'm, I'm pricing at this because I don't want the secondary market to be a part of it. So let's see, let's see what this, uh, the price actually comes out to be. I'd be interested to see. Yeah, totally. So our last one tonight, last headline, and again, goes into innovation is called is coming from new riff and they have a new bourbon that's made from an heirloom grain called red Turkey wheat. This limited edition called Red Turkey Wheat Straight Kentucky Bourbon will be available in limited quantities throughout New Riff's home market in Kentucky this November. 
So a little bit more about the grain is that red turkey has, I, I see red turkey, I keep on throwing myself, but red turkey wheat has more protein and less starch than modern wheats. It has a decreasing yield, but offers a far wider and richer depth of flavors. In 2016, New Riff reached out to local artisan bread makers, Blue Oven Bakery, and asked if they were using any heirloom grains. They formed a partnership and New Riff started purchasing red turkey wheat from the bakery. And for this first batch of red turkey wheated bourbon, the wheat was grown in Ohio and sourced from Blue Oven Bakery. It's mashed with New Riff's standard non-GMO supply of corn and malted barley. And this is going to be made with, the mash bill is 70% corn, 25% of the red turkey wheat, and 5% malted barley. It's aged at least five years, will be bottled and bond at 100 proof, and has a suggested retail price of $50. So I can skip the protein powder in my smoothie and just, <laughs> just do this and get my protein for my bourbon. I love it. Yeah. Double yeah. dip. Just go ahead, get an ounce and a half in the morning before you head out. I think you, I think you can make that happen. Yeah. I mean. 20 push-ups, a shot, and you're out the door. Yeah. I mean, I've done the bourbon chase before. and It is crazy. People would run that and then they'd drink bourbon on I'm like how do you run 17 miles and then drink bourbon while you're doing it they just did a bourbon chase last week didn't they yeah yeah Yeah. usually in first couple weeks of October yeah it was uh, was last week and I I remember I saw some pictures some some other friends on Facebook that went and did it and I still think they're crazy I I don't think I'll ever do a bourbon chase and by the way explain people what the bourbon chase is too yeah so you start uh I think at Jim Beam and uh you basically run to most of the major distilleries. So you go Jim Beam, then you run down to Maker, like Heaven Hill, Maker's Mark, and then over to like Springfield and Danville to Harrodsburg, over to like Lawrenceburg, and then you hit out, go over to Woodford, and then the home stretches through to uh, Lexington. You finish in downtown Lexington. And so you usually have like about six, 17 members, I think, and you run like 17 miles a piece and you do it in a span of like 24 hours. And so each person runs a different leg. Uh, I was doing good until the, the, my last leg it was in Woodford County and it's all rolling Hills up and down. And it was like 86 degrees. And I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> it's like, it, cause you don't sleep. You just like, you, you, you trade off and you're in a van, a van just picks you up. Like after you run your seven miles and then you just got to wait till your next turn, which is, like six hours later. So it's, it's fun, but I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. I, I think by like mile three or four, I'd, I'd have to have somebody tap me out. I haven't ran in it forever. So me just actually trying to pick it up but and it, go run a marathon ain't happening. It's hard to get in. I mean, I think so many people come back. You have to, it's like a waiting list to get on there and like professional runners. It's crazy. Like <laughs> the year we did it, we left at like a, I don't know, a like noon on a Friday and the team that won it left at like six o'clock that night and still beat us, you know, just fast runners, you know, we had a six hour head start and they like passed us. They passed me, you know, in Versailles. And I'm like, sorry guys. Probably when I'm you're slow. going up that hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, cheers everybody that competed in the race. I hope you had a good time and, uh, we'll be there to give you a toast, um, from like our comfort, our couch. We'll do that for you sometime. Heck yeah. But that's going to wrap it up for this week's Week in Bourbon. So with that, I want to say cheers, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us. And we'll be back next week with another round of, you know, exciting news of everything that's been happening in the world of bourbon. Yep. And two dumbass opinions. (laughs) All right. Cheers, everybody. (laughs) 